0: Fun fact, did you know that there are over 200 slang words for cannabis? Yes, you heard me right. There's over 200 ways to say cannabis. I can think of a couple like dope, weed, kush, grass, marijuana, hash. What is that? Like six, just to name a few. Can you name them all? Perhaps one of the most famous is also 420, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome back to That Wasn't In My Textbook, our bi-weekly podcast that helps us uncover the things we always wish we learned from that boring, bulky textbook. I'm your host, Toya, and you're now listening to Season 3, Episode 7 on the History of 420, where we're going to discover the true origins, the true roots of the term 420 and how it became code word for cannabis, and also how it became this historic day to roll up. Now, like I said, we're going to talk about cannabis that clearly has over 200 ways of saying that. Today we're going to talk about 420, which is today, the day that this episode is being released, and it's probably one of the most famous cannabis holidays. Many people who celebrate 420, aka the 20th day in April, don't really know how 420 has became this unofficial but official weed holiday. So we're going to get into all that in this solo dolo episode. Now, if you're new here, welcome. You're listening to one of the most out-of-the-box history podcasts that really is the history class you never knew you always wanted to take, <laughs> okay? And if you're an A1 from day one, welcome back to the podcast. I know I took abrupt stop in the middle of season three but we are back we have a team of dope women who are going to help me be consistent i have officially fired myself in the research department and in the editing department. And I'm very excited to do that. And I wish all of you who are listening, who want to fire yourself in some capacity or some task that you're doing in life well, and I hope this encourages you. So whether or not you have a podcast and you need to fire yourself in some element of that process, or you're just an everyday person because everyday life is hard enough and you want to fire yourself maybe in the cleaning department or the grocery store department or the cooking department and you want to outsource it, I'm here to say it is possible. I'm doing it with my podcast. I hope to do it with those other things that I have listed, but yay to firing yourself if you're listening. You know, you can do it. So don't forget to drop some stars, five of them preferably, and a few lines in the comments. Leave us a review if you like what you hear today or you have listened to other episodes and you really like it. Okay, so that's enough. We've got what I've called the church announcements out the way. Back to the history of four twenty. Now, we know the podcast is all about celebrating people of color history, black folks, LBGTQ, all of that, right? We try to celebrate our history 365, not just when our months roll around. But for today's topic, if I'm honest, you know, this is a very non-melanated history but it's still very interesting and because of the popularity of this day i thought it'd be perfect to cover this topic so listen to today's episode if you're interested in understanding where this historic day of rolling up came from 420 if you're interested in learning what has been done historically on 420 especially around the politics of making cannabis legal And then also listen to this episode because at the end, I also shout out some great, innovative Black folks, Black companies that are a part of what they call the Green Rush, right? Legalizing weed that are part of the Green Rush and that are really creating opportunities out of the box, like products. And so... While the history of 420 and the word 420 is very non-melanated, the episode does talk about the significance of 420 and what has been done around these days politically to make sure that black folks are included and in a part of this to talk about, you know, prison reform around weed and all that other stuff. So keep listening. It's very interesting. I promise. Let's talk about some theories, like contrary to popular belief, the number 420 is not a police radio code. A lot of people think that for cannabis, although some jurisdictions of law enforcement use the code 420 for juvenile disturbances. So if you think about it, we could see how that tale, that 420 was a police radio code, where that all came from. Some folks also believe that 420 is a number of active chemicals in cannabis. Others think that is based on tea time in Holland. Some also go as far to say that Bob Dylan, you know, one of the hippies of the time who clearly smoked cannabis, had a hit song called Rainy Day Woman number 12 and 35. And if you multiply 12 by 35, it equals 420. And that's how we got 420. And like, that is really some shit that people would think about when they're high. You know, you start overthinking things. That is not it, y'all. But what is the real tea, the real story behind this famous, pot partaking holiday so in today's episode we're gonna to have to take a trip back in time to the disco era to the hippie era of the good old 70s and learn about the history of 420 and of course it makes sense that this day kind of came about you know during the disco era so we have 420 the number we have 420 the time a.m or p.m we have 420 the date and it's all Cannabis slang for rolling up, especially even around the time of 420. And it also refers to the cannabis oriented celebration that takes place annually, like today, the day that this episode is released on April 20th, which is 420 when it's like in the US form of the date. In locations in the United States, Where cannabis is illegal, cannabis dispensaries will often offer discounts on their products on this famous, dare I say, historic date. So, you know, if you participate in cannabis, I would suggest going online, going to your dispensary and capitalizing on the discount because the taxes on cannabis is crazy. But that's, that's a different story for a different day. 420 has a storied place in cannabis history. So, have you ever wondered why people celebrate 420? Although several theories have emerged over the years, and we talked about them a little earlier, the holiday's origin can be traced back to the California town of San Rafael, where in the fall of 1971, five high school friends, known as the Waldos, heard of an abandoned plot of pot plants in California's Point Ray Forest. Now, this group of kids, they called themselves the Waldos because they typically hung out on this spot, on this wall outside of their school. The Waldo crew was made of five white guys, Steve, Dave, Jeffrey, Larry, and Mark. And they designated this place on their high school grounds that was by a statue of some guy named Luis Pasteur as their meeting place. And they met there after sports, which was at what time, y'all? What y'all think? 4.20 p.m. was their meeting time. Dave was one of the five Waldos, and he told Time Magazine in 2017 that we got tired of the Friday night football scene with all the jocks. We were the guys sitting under the stands, smoking a doobie, wondering what we were doing there, end quote. The Waldos made plans to find this hidden loot based on a treasure map made by somebody. I don't even know who the person is. They originally referred to this plan with the phrase 420, Lewis, because that was a statue that they hung around by. But the group eventually shortened this lingo to just straight up 420, which ultimately evolved into a cold word between the teens in high school used to refer to rolling up, or I guess they would say back then, consuming cannabis. As each Waldo student was a student athlete, their treasure hunting had to wait until the end of the day after sports ended at approximately, can y'all say it, 4.20 p.m. On the day of the first pot hunt in the forest, the five would pass each other in the hallways and whisper 4.20 as a reminder to each other that you know what's up after school. You know what I'm saying? The Waldos met at the statue before blazing. You see what I did there? (laughs) The blazing. And they rode through the woods in a 66 Chevrolet Impala. This search was unsuccessful. And even though the Waldos went hunting in the forest, looking for this plot of pot for weeks on end, the rumored plot of pot plants was never discovered. And so that's how 420 began. But how did this team of hippie dippy five white dudes who are treasure seekers at a high school in California managed to spread their secret phrase internationally. Well, pretty much it was told through the grapevine or maybe it was more like a successful game of telephone. It started with the Waldo's crew who for some reason had open access and many connections to the band The Grateful Dead. Now, if you're like me, you may have heard of The Grateful Dead. But you don't really know who they are or like why they're kind of a big deal in the American rock game because like I don't listen to rock. Maybe you don't either. So let me put you on to game about who the Grateful Dead is so then you can understand how they took the word from the Waldo's crew and made it this international phenomenon. So my research put me on to game that the Grateful Dead was a really big fucking deal. It was a great American rock band in the 70s made up of 12 white guys. And the Grateful Dead was one of the most successful touring bands in rock history, despite having virtually no radio hits, which is like y'all got no hits, but y'all are the best. And one of the reasons that they were so popular was because they just sounded so much better than any other live band at the time. So that's really was their bread and butter was like their live shows were fucking amazing. And they played to an estimated 25 million people over their career. Yes, they played to an estimated 25 million people over the course of their career. And that is more than any other band in history. So in 1998, the Guinness Book of World Records certified the Grateful Dead as performing the most rock concerts ever. And at the time, that was 2,318 concerts. So they're in the Guinness Book of Records for the band that has performed the most live concerts, and that is at 2,318. That is fucking lot, okay? Um, I would say check out their music. I checked it out. It was cool. Their live performances are really awesome. So let's go back to the story of how these five kids spread the word about 420 and it's become this international phrase. So some of the Waldo kids worked with the Grateful Dead and they had connection with the Grateful Dead. Like Mark, one of the Waldo's kids' father, managed the Grateful Dead's real estate. And then Dave, another Waldo crew member's older brother, was good friends with the basis and managed The side band. And so that's kind of like the connection. So these Waldo kids in high school started working amongst the Grateful Dead with their band, with their brothers and their fathers working with them. Steve, another Waldo kid, told the Huffington Post in an interview back in the day about the origins of 420. He told them, quote, there was a place called Winterland and we'd always be backstage running around or on stage, and of course, we were using our phrases. When someone passed a joint or something, we would say, hey, 420, so it started to spread throughout the community. A reporter for the High Times named Steven admitted that the first time he heard the phrase 420 was during Christmas week at a Grateful Dead concert in Oakland, California, and during this time, he was a reporter for the High Times, and that was in 1990. Steve said he was wandering through, you know, the hippies that would gather before the Grateful Dead concerts. And Deadhead, that's their fan club name, handed him a flyer that said, we're going to meet at 420 on 420, 420 420-ing. And it had a location and all that stuff. It was like a sunset spot. And so he actually even put the old flyer in a Huffington Post article. And so that flyer also told the story of 420 referencing the Waldos of San Rafael. So think about it. We go from the Waldo kids to the Grateful Dead, where the Waldo kids are working and stuff. And then High Times, you know, the magazine called High Times, a reporter hangs out with the Grateful Dead. Here's people using this term 420. And then, boom, the High Times, a very popular Cannabis Enthusiast Magazine starts using the term 420. The first high times mention of 420 smoking and 420 The Holiday appeared 31 years ago in May 1991. And that was an article that talked about the roots of 420, highlighting the Waldo kids and making the connection between them, the Grateful Dead, and using 420, the word that we use now. While many other illicit tales of the origins of 420 have, you know, come about, the Waldos do have proof that they used the word back in the day in the 70s. So they hold strong to this. They kept safely tucked away in a vault in San Francisco Bank is the original 420 flags that they made, the newspaper clippings where one of the members discussed wanting to say 420 for his high school graduation speech and postmarked letters between the group filled with 420 references. So they have proof that they started it, although many people argue that they may have started it themselves. Two of the five original Waldos (laughs) have agreed to probably making a documentary down the line or compiling a dictionary of slang words or something to continue their blaze of glory. April 20th has become an international counterculture holiday where people come together, roll up, celebrate, and consume cannabis. And they don't always roll up sometimes, you know, they have drops now, they have wax, they have all different types of forms of cannabis. So it's not always rolling up. But many of these events on 420, around 420 also have a political nature and people are kind of using it to advocate for the legalization of cannabis. Vivian Mapeek, a founder of Seattle's Hemp Fest, states that 420 is half celebration and half call to action. And I really 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 like that. Today, the unofficial holiday is celebrated worldwide as cannabis continues to be decriminalized and legalized around the world. It is on this day that many Cannabis people also use it to protest and civil disobedience by gathering in public to smoke at 420. When the California legislator named the medical marijuana law in 2013, the voters had passed the bill and the bill was named SB 420. No one really takes credit for it because I think it's kind of weird as a politician, but it kind of makes sense and I appreciate it. Here in America, really North America, people observe this holiday at several locations. In New York City, my hometown, there's usually something in Washington Square Park in Manhattan. In Boston, something usually pops off in Boston Common. In San Francisco, they have a Hippie Hill in Golden State Park where they do, you know, their 420 celebrations, and the list goes on and on. Denver has something in the Civic Center Park. All that, you know, people are really celebrating and there are plenty of 420 events that are happening every year, even to this day. One of the biggest pro pot rallies is an annual smoke out on the campus of the University of Colorado at Boulder, which is cool. Last year, there was a launch of an international Peter Tosh Day Hashtag PeterTosh420, which celebrates the cannabis activists and reggae artists. Tosh was a founding member of the Wailers, Bob Marley's band, and a Grammy winner who was also an advocate in a series of anti-apartheid campaigns. He spoke for the voiceless and advocated for the liberation of Africa. Sadly, he was murdered in 1987 during a home invasion at the age of 43. But they still had a celebration around him. The festival wanted to safely bring everyone together for a virtual connected celebration. It featured prominent cannabis growers, entrepreneurs, enthusiasts, licensed distributors, culinary infused artists, policymakers, legal and medical professionals, and various artists and celebrities. So, that's like one of the most recent cannabis celebrations. And people celebrate 420 in many different ways. Some people like to watch movies. Some of the best flicks listed to binge watch with your friends include Half Baked, All About the Benjamins, Friday. Um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle The Basketball Diaries I've never even heard of that Crazy Stupid Love The Pursuit of Happiness I would not watch that Hi I don't know why this is on this list Anyway I found this list online These are some of them And I don't agree They even list The Devil Wears Prada As a good movie to watch on 420 What? Okay Okay So, yes, you can do something on 420. And then, you know, there's some other activities that you could do, like be creative, color, do some self-care, using some infused cannabis products, all that other stuff. It's really, really all up to you. But on another note, outside of just celebrations, it's impossible to celebrate the progress of the 420 movement. Um, In the 420 day without acknowledging and addressing the cruel and unjust impact of the war on drugs in the U.S. As I mentioned in previous episodes, like the history of cannabis, which you could check out today as well. In 1937, there was this marijuana tax act that basically prohibited cannabis throughout the U.S. And there was this guy named Harry back in the 30s. He was the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, and he was pretty much an asshole, and he claimed that weed led to jazz, and it made white women want to have sex with people of color, and he even once said that reefer—oh, there's another word for cannabis—makes darkies think they're as good as white men, end quote. And instead of calling it cannabis, the more common name for it at the time, he called it marijuana, an effort to associate it with Mexican immigrants— and to spark the fear that many white Americans who were racist had. You know, Harry really demonized cannabis with fear-mongering and, like I said before, a lot of bigot rhetoric. And he really attacked jazz and almost the entire, really the entire black American culture. Then we fast forward to the 1970s when the Nixon administration and the harmful effects of the war on drugs and thus the crippling disproportionately of how cannabis impacts black communities is born. And unfortunately, we still see this today. According to a study done by ACLU, black people are 3.5. Seven, three times more likely to be arrested for cannabis related crimes than white people. Though cannabis usage is fairly equal across racial lines as consumers and business owners increasingly, you know, talk about the benefits of cannabis and talk about the pleasures and stuff like that. It's important that these profits are, I don't know, equally distributed to black Americans and people of color. And so a lot of talk has been that if we're decriminalizing cannabis, what is going to happen to all the folks in prison that have been locked up for selling cannabis now that we are acknowledging that it isn't harmful and that it does, in fact, have some medical benefits? It's not all about getting high, although if getting high is what you want to do, there is nothing wrong with that so that's just something that always comes up for me when I think about 420 and celebrate 420 and see all these things and like even as a New Yorker who moved to LA before you know they even decriminalized it in New York it was very weird for me to be able to walk into a dispensary and have people like openly talk to me about weed and what kind of high I want and yada 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 and I mean being like I what about all the black folks who are in jail for this like now there's actual stores and people can sell it and people can even travel with it in some cases right and it's not that big of a deal are we gonna how do we give people their time back and their life back that's just something I think about and I don't have the answers to but I you know of course I could not talk about 420 and the celebration and the history of it without talking about the large amount of black folks that are in jail for this very thing that we celebrate and that we many of us openly smoke um, depending on what state you're in so there's that and I think there is even some privilege in the history of 420 right these five white dudes teenagers you know just having a good time smoking weed on a wall in their high school I don't know if that could be an experience for a black person, you know, or black group of boys, you know, who are always seen as threatening. So we can, you know, even see the privilege in that. It's a great story. It's really cool how it came about and passed along through people. But it's also like, you know, there's a lot of questions and a lot of things amongst the celebration that are a lot more serious. So let me shout out a couple of people who are really making impact in the Green Rush. And I think, A lot of them are also advocating and trying to address some of this, you know, issues around prison reform for people who have been locked up black people have been locked up for cannabis so while this day is so cool and is about celebration there is some underlying things that we have to talk about and address and so to kind of counteract some of this uh, non melanated history that is important and fun of course I wanted to take a moment to also shout out some black cannabis brands to enjoy and support on 420 because like I stated before black people are basically four more times likely to be arrested for cannabis related crimes than white people and there are a lot of black folks locked up or have been locked up for cannabis and now you can go into the store and get it and i'm sure that is very upsetting for them but yes let's talk about some black cannabis brands to enjoy and support on 420 to kind of as individual consumers you know put our money to help with some of these issues So there is a CBD brand called The Juice Joint that was founded by Crystal and Matthew, and they brought together their two distinct knowledge bases. One had like a science pharmaceutical background. The other one had a love from the music industry. And so they created they started selling these healthy handcrafted CBD infused juices that are rich in vitamins and they have like a CBD moss it's called the juice joint it is in Philadelphia and they ship guys they ship worldwide so I'm actually probably going to put in an order myself because I don't really think I've heard of like a CBD infused like healthy juice drink so I'm gonna try that there's also CBD well cannabis company called Ardent cannabis. It was founded by Chanel Lindsay and she created her signature product called Nova. And she created it out of necessity. When she began using cannabis over a decade ago to treat her chronic health issues, she learned how to like decarbonoxide weed, and it's a process of like finally grinding up cannabis and toasting it to activate the thc and that perfectly dosage edibles easily i don't know i can't say that properly but you get what i'm saying so she took this kind of messy weed toasting process and made it super easy by creating a countertop product called nova that easily allows you to make edibles and put in a good dosage so thank you chanel In 2017, Chanel was named the Massachusetts Cannabis Control Commission Advisory Board and she was also listed as the 100 most influential people in cannabis by high times. So that's really, really cool. She made this all-in-one cannabis kitchen device that infuses and bakes edibles. Another CBD company I wanted to shout out was founded by Terralyn and it was created in Oakland. It's called the Oakland Extracts to embody the community-minded slogan, Terps from the town. He says that when the legalization happened in California, he saw prices climbing. I agree, because taxes on cannabis is crazy. And he was alarmed that people in the community who needed the plant the most would be priced out, both as consumers and as entrepreneurs. So Terralyn, has over 15 years of experience in cannabis and helped establish Oakland Extracts as a brand to watch with its signature cookie crumble wax. That sounds yummy. But as a Black-owned business, he explains, it was difficult to raise enough capital to compete with other companies overtaking the area. The brand almost didn't make it, but a partnership with Gillette Extracts allowed for the relaunch in 2020 with excellent results. Now, Oakland Extracts, small batch, top quality products, which include wax and shatter, are taking Californians by the storm and giving back to the community by supporting local organizations such as veteran cannabis support groups and women support groups, which mentor people, women and entrepreneurs of color looking to progress in the industry. There are so many other black businesses out there to show your love and support to on 420. So let me know in the comments, what are your favorite brands? Like, and when I say comments, that means on Instagram, Twitter, if you listen to the episode, what are your favorite black-owned cannabis brands? And so that is the conclusion of this episode of season three, episode seven, on the history of 420. Now, I have sprinkled my thoughts throughout this episode, but I learned so much. I was kinda familiar with the history of 420 because I had read it before because I didn't wanna do an episode, probably like last year about it. And I was like, ooh, this is so White. This history is so white, but I still think it's really interesting to talk about and to know because it's such a popular day. So it's like, why not understand where it came from? And then I think his 4:20, while it started out as a day for like these four white bros to like hang out and to search for this weed treasure in the forest. It has evolved, right, as we have evolved, as the legalization of cannabis has evolved into a more political day, a day to acknowledge the injustice around cannabis that are happening to black people in particular as a way to advocate for the legalization for it, as a way to highlight the medical benefits of cannabis. So it's really interesting to see how this day has evolved, right, and to learn that together as a group and not, I don't know, it's not lost on me that like every time I smoke, you know, especially living here in California, every time I go into like MedMen, which is like MedMen is like the apple store of weed and some people love it and some people hate it. I'm a little indifferent, but you know, you go into places like MedMen and these dispensaries and they're like, Oh, what kind of high do you want? And you know, sativa and Indica and they're able to explain it to you. And you know, they even have stuff for pets. Like I've given my dog CBD when we've traveled before. So that's cool. And like they have drinks and just to see all these different forms of how you can, consume cannabis and whether you want thc or cbd and just like it's just been mind-blowing it's been mind-blowing to experience it's been mind-blowing to try some of these things and you know it's not lost on me that there is a lot of things that need to be done to make sure that black folks are included in the gold rush because like i highlighted from one of the businesses it takes a lot of capital to start you know to get a license and to invest and so i know there's a lot of programs out there that are like we're helping people who have been locked up brown people in particular who have been locked up black people in particular who have been locked up around cannabis to get licenses to sell legally but like do they have the capital to do that do they have the capital to keep up with the licensing and all that other stuff so there's still a lot of underlying things that need to be ironed out and addressed amongst making sure that black people have a seat at the green table. And so that's just my thoughts on it. I'm still processing, I'm still learning around cannabis and what's happening out there, what people are doing. But I know for me as a consumer, as a person who likes to shop, as a person who likes to amplify Black owned businesses, the first and number one thing that I can do that's very like low level and easy would just be to support black owned businesses in cannabis. And so I'm going to take some time today to look up some black owned brands, whether locally for me out here in California or people who sell like I definitely want to try the juice joint in Philadelphia. I'm happy they ship. I'm going to put in an order. I want to try some things because I have recently stopped smoking. I wasn't having a good relationship with weed. It was making me kind of like anxious and stuff like that. And then I recently started trying CBD. So I think my body and I don't agree with THC. I've been smoking since high school. Sorry, mom, if you're listening to this. And I think my body just doesn't react to it the same, and I'm not really enjoying the head high that THC provides or gives you. And a lot of the stuff out here, especially in California, is like, super like strong, super potent. And I'm like, I am not trying to be in Mars. I'm trying to just feel a little buzz on earth. So with that being said, I have switched to CBD. I've been smoking CBD um, pre-rolls. If you've seen them in my stories, I don't really want to shout out the brand because I don't really know anything about the brand to shout it out. So I've been smoking CBD. I've been enjoying it. My dentist recently told me that I need to stop smoking because even smoking marijuana affects your bones, like your teeth bones or something. So I'm going to transition over to drops. (laughs) But I say all that to say that I smoke CBD now, not THC, and I really enjoy it. So if you are someone out there who may be having that same relationship with Um, cannabis right now and you are like not enjoying THC, I would say switch over to CBD if that's what you want to do or cut it off cold turkey. But I've been loving CBD. It's been helping me with my anxiety. It's the first time that I feel like I can actually smoke and work because I'm not getting that head high that THC offers. So yeah, I don't know. I just went on a tangent about CBD and THC. But I think the history of 420 is very interesting and I have a lot to sit with around what I want to do besides just buying to advocate for black folks in this area, in the green rush. And so as usual, you know, this is the end of the show. So as usual, I always encourage you to check out the show notes. You can head over to thatwasntinmytextbook.com, review the notes, or you can click on the title of this episode in whatever streaming platform you're listening to this on. I also just want to thank you so much for listening. Like I said earlier, Earlier in my church announcements, I know I have been inconsistent, but change is going to come. Okay. It is here. So I'm very excited to be back, to be doing the thing that I love, which is talking about history in this mic to people who are out there listening. Um, I feel like that's my gift. And so just being here and doing this episode, which I feel like is super rough, the super first episode back for season three, it just makes me so happy. And I hope that we all have something in our lives that make us feel that way. Please, if you like this episode, if you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed the history, make sure to leave a review. I really, really appreciate it. That's how other people discover us. That's how we get on those cool lists of like top podcasts to listen to. Like, you know, that's a goal of mine. So if you enjoyed what you listen to, let me know. Give me some feedback. I'm always looking for ways to improve. Of course, share this episode with a friend or share it on Instagram, Twitter. I really, really appreciate that. And of course, you know, follow that wasn't in my textbooks all over the interwebs we are everywhere even on youtube and again thank you so so much for tuning in these episodes are just going to get better and better and better and the topics are going to just get juicier and juicier and juicier so uh, make sure to come back on friday may 29th for a brand new episode on a new juicy history topic, the history of head wraps. It's going to be so, so good. And until next time, remember knowledge is power.